Section 8 of Nature and Art, Volume 8, Number 1, June 1900. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Some Interesting Things About Rivers Jenkin Lloyd Jones Did the rivers make the valleys, or did the valleys make the rivers? This is not only an interesting, but a very difficult question to answer correctly. Ask your teachers about it. Be sure you do not make any mistakes, because when you answer it correctly, you have found out a great deal about geology. And geology is a hard name for a subject that contains many interesting and easy things, and the study of the river will help you understand many of these things. However, it may be about the valleys. We are very sure that the river made many, many other things that we know about. Did you ever hear of the orator in the New York legislature, who wondered how it was that the rivers most always flowed by the big cities? He certainly got his cart before the horse, for it is the big cities that always grow by the big rivers. History has always grown along the banks of rivers, because all civilization has grown along their banks. The boundaries of nations change. The political maps of Europe that I studied when I was a boy are now out of date, and you would find they are all wrong, because the boundaries of kingdoms, states, and empires have changed so often but the life of the world continues to be found largely along the banks of the rivers. Why is this? And here is another question for you to talk with your teachers about. If you get the answer, you will have the key that will let you into much of the wonders and triumphs of art, architecture, and commerce. Of course, the very earliest man would keep close to the river's edge, because he would have no other sure way of getting water to drink. And the fish in the water, the birds on the water, and the birds' eggs in the nests along the edge of the river offered him a sure supply of food. And then along the river the grass grows greenest, and this afforded good grazing for his cows and his horses, and maybe his camels. What kind of food does the camel like best anyhow? Primitive man must have learned to swim early, and it must have been fun for the little boys of barbarism, as it is for the little boys of civilization, to plunge into the cooling water on a hot day. Man must have found out very early how to make a raft which would carry him downstream, and soon after he learned how to make a canoe that he could paddle upstream, so the river became his first road. On it he traveled when he went hunting, and with its help he protected his property and that of the tribe. The enemies were driven across the river and kept on the other side. A good way to study what a river does for a man is to find out all you can about the life that gathered about some particular river, for that will tell you more or less of what happened along the banks of all the great rivers. 
The best of all rivers for such study is the Nile. It is one of the long rivers of the world, so long that its sources have only been recently discovered by those who make geographies. Read the stories of Livingstone and Stanley, and the early explorers who went in search of the headwaters of the Nile. But there are two Niles. One runs through the continent of Africa and empties into the Mediterranean Sea. Another begins in the very earliest dawn of history and runs through the human story of thought, feeling, and life. Along the banks of this Nile, in history, we see how human life was developed, all human life beginning away back there, so far back we cannot count it by years, when man made knives of flints and hatchets of stone. And then, because the Nile gently overflowed its banks two or more times a year, leaving after each freshet a soft layer of fertile mud on either side, primitive man began to plant his seed in this field ploughed by a river, and to raise his millet and peas and beans and some kind of wheat and corn. He was able to feed his cattle and to raise chickens and geese along the banks of this river, which was only a green ribbon from six to ten miles wide, four or five hundred miles long. On this green ribbon, a great civilization, so great and so wonderful, that only very learned men can understand how wonderful and how great it was, grew up. Find out something about the pyramids. Look up pictures of the ruins of the Temple of Karnak, and that great stone image carved out of a hill, higher than a five-story building, with a head so large that if a man stood on the top of one ear, he could hardly reach the top of the head with his outstretched hand. The Greeks called this great stone image, with the body of a lion and the head of a man, a sphinx, but the Egyptians called it the Horum Ku, or the Horus on the horizon, and Horus was the god-child they most loved, the child of Osiris, the great sun-divinity, and of Isis, the beautiful mother of heaven. All this civilization along the Nile would have been impossible had it not been for the Nile. The great stones that went into the pyramids were floated down the river. Soldiers and working men were transported on the river. The fields were made fertile by the river, and the leisure and the wealth that were made possible by the fertile fields on the river's bank gave men time to think and to feel, to invent the beautiful picture writings, to cut out the great tomb temples, and to think the great thoughts of religion, God thoughts, love thoughts, and duty thoughts. Now, what happened along the banks of the Nile happened, to a certain degree, along the banks of the Euphrates and the Tigris. Mesopotamia means the land between the rivers, the mid-river country. Away back five or six thousand years ago, there were people who built great cities, erected high tower temples of burned brick. They invented a curious kind of 
arrow-headed alphabet, the cuneiform, which they stamped into clay tablets, brick reading books. On the banks of these rivers, in that far-off time, astronomers watched the stars and found out a good deal about the planets and eclipses. They measured time by the year of 365 days and 12 months, which means that they had watched the moon and measured the length of the days. Then there are the other rivers, the Ganges, that runs through the heart of India, on the banks of which there grew up the great religions and the curious customs of the Hindus and the Buddhists, and the Jordan, which, you will remember, flows through our Bible. Around it clusters the great stories of the prophets, of Jesus and his disciples. When we turn to Europe, we will find much about the Germans by finding out all we can about the Rhine. If you can find out much about the Rhine and the Sina, you will understand the story of France and the French people. The Thames is older than London, and along the banks of the Danube grew up nation after nation. Down that stream have floated war vessels for different peoples for thousands and thousands of years. Would you not like to see a collection of boats that would reach from the boats made of the raw hides of animals by the early pagan people along the Danube, up to the latest and best steamer that now plies up and down the great river? Nonetheless interesting are the rivers of the western continent, the Hudson, the Mississippi, and the Missouri. The Ohio and the Amazon are the pathways over which the first explorers traveled. Along their banks did the first settlers make their homes, and on their bosom did the men in the wild woods first send their traffics. Who was it that started the first steamboat up the Hudson? You remember how Abraham Lincoln, when a boy, helped build a flatboat, and how he steered that flatboat all the way from Illinois to New Orleans, selling there the truck the early settlers raised, exchanging it for molasses and sugar and the calico that they needed in Illinois? When we remember the great service that the rivers have rendered man, the beautiful stories that cluster around them, the beautiful life that has sported in their waters, floated upon their surface, and gathered on their banks, is it not a pity that they are being so despoiled by thoughtless and reckless men who wantonly cut down the forests, waste the trees that grow up on their banks? And then, in our cities, instead of beautifying the banks and profiting by the scenery, Foolish men turn the back doors of their houses upon the rivers, build barns upon their banks, make of them the dumping places into which they throw their rubbish, street sweepings, and old tin cans, everything that will soil the water and spoil the scenery. Do you not think that some day we will again come back to the old love of the river, even if we do not need it so much as a highway now, for railroads go faster, we will keep them clean and beautiful, for the pleasure and the health they yield. You have heard of what a dirty thing the Chicago River is, how unpleasant it is both to the sense of sight and to the sense of smell. 
it is very much the same with many of the other rivers that flow through our great cities and even smaller towns some day the children of our public schools who are now studying these things will grow up and they will find out how to purify our streams they will restore their beauty they will love the fish and the water so much that they will prefer seeing them alive to eating them when dead they will give back the rivers to the birds that will sing unmolested upon their banks and raise their little ones undisturbed in their nests built low among the sedges or swinging loftily in the poplar boughs above so you see my children to know the river is to know much of the geology of the world much of the plant and animal life of the world very much of the history of man and very much of the higher hopes and aspirations the poetry the morality and the religion of the human soul the rivers were here before man was they invited man they nursed him they fed him they marked the places for his settlements they helped the organization of the state by the way as a closing lesson suppose you find out how many of the states of our union were named after rivers and see how many of the rivers names you can discover the meaning of for the rivers were on the earth before they were named the names are of men and some of them are very suggestive the rivers are of god they belong to nature and they show forth the laws of nature which are always the laws of God. End of section 8